Greetings Northlings and welcome to Haunted Up North, the excessively unprofessional podcast dedicated to the telling of super spooky experiences recorded for your paranormal pleasure in the north of the UK. I'm your host Victoria and I really hope you find yourselves scintillated, scared and entertained by the... Not exactly spectral tales today, but spectral small screen exchanges you're about to listen to today. It's what you're going to hear, whether you continue to listen to them is entirely out of our control. And yes, I meant to say our instead of my, because it's special guest Sunday time once again, and we've got Hannah on the show. Hurrah! Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we were supposed to come to Horsforth today. I was supposed to go to Horsforth to record this at your house, but then you noticed that your neighbour had a skip outside. My neighbours do have a skip, and yeah, they've been doing lots of skippage over the weekend. So, And then as I left, they were shoving things in said skip, so it would have been a bit noisy. Yeah, there's probably going to be a few odd sounds coming from this house, but we don't want to take our chances with skippage. No, no one needs that in the life. So sorry that you had to travel here again to Haworth. No, it's all right. In fact, it's been another beautiful day. I'm (gasps) a cracked record, but every time I drive over, I have beautiful sunshine and it's always a really nice journey. So it was a pleasure. Oh, good. We welcome you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, So I've got new mics today, different mics. We're not huddled around one singular microphone, so hopefully the echo isn't as bad. I hope there's not heavy breathing as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, hopefully no heavy breathing from neither you or me. Uh, So the sound will be a little bit different, but... Oh, look at it! Ah. My cat's doing a lovely little head manoeuvre. She's doing, I don't know, is that is that a, like a little shrimp? Yeah, it's a shrimp. She's shrimping in the corner in yeah. the cat tower. Very cute. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of haunted up north today. Instead of discussing a real life haunted place, we're going to discuss an on-screen haunted happening inspired by a real life haunted happening. One of my most favourite fictional horror creations that we're we're just going to talk about purely because I want to, and I've wanted to for ages, and Hannah's very kindly agreed to do that with me, even though she'd she'd never seen this film before until I made her watch it the other week. Yes, I I vaguely remember it at the time, but I've not I've not really known that much about it. So yeah, I I thought I'd give it a go, and it was it was very interesting. Well, I did watch it as a kid when it came out on the actual day that it came out and I was ridiculously frightened by it at the time for reasons I'll explain later on in the episode. But before we get into it, into the on-screen horror chat, here's a little word from someone equally scary who goes simply by the name of The Collector. Greetings, Haunted Up North podcast listeners, and welcome to The Offerings. My presence, as I come before you today, is of no such importance. I am just a conduit, a front for something much greater. The purpose of these anonymous communions is for you to relinquish your true sinister accounts, to make 
an offering. I heard someone mumble my name. It was so eerie. And as it's getting closer to the back of our tent, everything around us just seemed to go silent. You know, we never found out what the banging was. You know, was it someone trying to tell me we needed to look up in the crawl space? Subscribe to the offerings wherever you get your podcasts. It's coming. Let it in. Record your sinister accounts. Make an offering. Sounds interesting. It's basically an entity that goes by the name of the Collector. I don't know who it is, mm. um, but you basically record your own paranormal stories and send it to the Collector and they distribute it to the world. That's amazing. It's very scary. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it. It's very good. Yeah, I will. So, the on-screen haunted happening we're discussing today is not a big screen horror bonanza. It's a small screen masterpiece and an absolute cult favourite. Loved by many and talked about by countless paranormal and horror enthusiasts. Sorry, if anyone can hear any noises from next door, Martin's emerged and he's um, making himself a drink. Sorry about that. Can't do anything about that. Don't have a professional studio. But yeah, it's discussed by countless uh, paranormal and horror enthusiasts, especially on podcasts. And I think Knock Once for Yes did an episode about it last year for the 30th anniversary, uh, the 30th anniversary of the thing we're going to discuss today. And they had the actual screenwriter of the thing we're going to discuss which I'm very jealous about. They had the screenwriter on their show. And I, I purposefully haven't listened to that episode yet because I didn't want to inadvertently copy or be influenced by anything they said. I'll listen to it after we've done this. And I, Hannah, I'll share it with you so you can listen to it. Oh, yeah. But the small screen cult horror creation we're going to talk about today is... Would you like to, would you like to say what it is? <laughs> I think you should say it. No, you say it. No, you should say it. It's Ghostwatch. Yes. So Ghostwatch was a British horror reality slash pseudo slash documentary style television film broadcast on BBC One, which is the British Broadcasting Corporation, for those who are unaware of what BBC stands for. So Channel One on the BBC, and it was transmitted to the UK public on Halloween night in 1992. Did you remember it being on? I do remember it being on, and I remember it be you know being on in the house, but... I, I didn't like properly properly watch it, but I remember all the things surrounding it. So, yeah. so, so you didn't watch it, but you're aware of it, yeah. and so you've heard of it. So, it's yeah. I'm trying to gauge the level of infamy of this thing. So, you never watched it or paid much attention to it, but you'd, had you heard of it before I told yes. you about it? Yeah, because I know there was a bit of a hoo ha, shall we say? Yes, we'll, um, we'll talk about the hoo ha. Yes, in a, a bit, bit of hoo ha. But um, yeah, so that that's how I'm, I'm more aware of it after than during, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was presented as a live investigative broadcast hosted by Michael Parkinson and was advertised as an attempt to present concrete evidence of the paranormal. The on-air investigation focused on a house at Fox Hill Drive in Northolt, Greater London, inhabited by Pamela Early and her daughters Suzanne and Kim, who are being terrorised by a poltergeist called Mr Pipes. Named so from the knocking noises he is thought to make through the plumbing of the house. Pipes is said to dwell inside the basement of the house, referred to as the Glory Hole, an adventurous title for a cellar, <laughs> and he regularly possesses and harms Suzanne. Michael Parkinson is the key in-studio presenter communicating with fellow host Sarah Green, who ventures into the house to spend the night with the early family. 
And her husband, Mike Smith, oversees the phone calls from the public who wish to share their own ghost stories. Comedian Craig Charles interviews locals outside regarding the street's violent history, and a range of supernatural phenomena occurs inside the house, such as noises, scratches, demonic voices emanating from Suzanne. People call in to say weird things are happening inside their own houses. This is people from the British public. They're, they're calling in to say weird stuff's happening in their houses too. And then a neighbour starts talking about someone called Mother Seddens, a local Victorian baby farmer who murdered children, the legend of whom had become a horrible sort of scary boogeyman tale in the neighbourhood that Fox Hill Drive is set in. So that's what the neighbour is. The neighbour is a, a neighbour of Fox Hill Drive. After this, after all of this exciting stuff, uh, there's a call to the studio from Pipes's probation officer <laughs> who reveals that Pipes's real name is actually Raymond Tunstall, a mentally disturbed pedophile who believed he was possessed by Mother Seddons in the house at Foxhall Drive and hung himself in the glory hole, after which event his body was eaten by his relative's cats. As the paranormal activity inside Fox Hill Drive grows steadily more violent, Suzanne suddenly vanishes and can be heard calling for help from inside the glory hole. At this point, the in-studio psychologist who joined Michael Parkinson earlier in the show realises that Pipes has used the broadcast to create a nationwide seance circle, prompting wider paranormal phenomena to start occurring in people's homes, hence all the calls that Mike Smith was getting earlier on. Meanwhile, Sarah Green tries to rescue Suzanne from the glory hole, but is dragged into the cellar and the door slams shut. The programme finishes with Pipes taking over the entire BBC studio, causing everyone except Michael Parkinson <laughs> to evacuate. Michael Parkinson, Parky, as his real name is, Parky, we call him Parky in, uh, in the UK. Parky then wanders about in a darkened studio and starts to show signs he's too been possessed by the ghost of Pipes. That's it in a nutshell. That's the plot of Ghostwatch. It wasn't read out very well, but I feel it does a good job of representing the quite unusual horror of what was meant to be quite a fun, sort of silly paranormal investigation. Was it was it at the time sold in as a as a real life thing then? Well, this is this is what I was going to say. I was going to say spoiler alert because it's mm. unavoidable. Like when I watched this as a kid, and I was really really excited mm. about it because it was the first time anything like this had ever been broadcast on television. It was advertised as a live ghost hunt, and this was this was ten years before Most Haunted and all the paranormal reality on site supernatural investigation shows appeared that we watch and love so much today so it was it was ahead of its time this so it was mega it was mm. a mega thing and it was hyped up for ages beforehand and so many people were talking about it getting excited for halloween night uh when all this exciting live stuff this live st ghost stuff was going to happen but it turned out in the end that it was all an elaborate hoax mm. and was actually filmed a number of weeks before the night it was broadcast so it was marketed as real but it wasn't real yeah. It was an elaborate hoax. Yeah. But nonetheless, that doesn't ruin any part of the show for me, because when it was shown in real time back in October 1992, I was utterly and genuinely scared out of my wits watching Ghostwatch on my own at night as a small child. And that will forever remain, despite my terror, one of my absolute favourite memories ever, mm. whether I know it's a hoax or not. Brilliant. So you... you Hannah, you watched Ghostwatch 31 years later as a grown-up adult person. So yes. looking back now, can you can you 
tell that the actors playing the mum and the two daughters are are actors. Are actors. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean, it's. I think you know, all this time later, you, you we're kind of a little bit more savvy, aren't we? As, yeah. As um as an audience. So as I was I was watching, I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Parky. <laughs> Parkett is amazing. He's just, he is just like, for listeners outside the UK, he's like, he's a proper British institution, really, is, is yes. Michael Parkinson. He's interviewed all the greats, you know, uh, big Hollywood stars and stuff. And he, he's just so deadpan and like the voice of reason. So he's great. And, and actually, Sarah Green, you know, oh, big up Sarah Green. She, she's so good. She's really, really good. But yeah, like the mum. <laughs> yeah, looking the, back, it's the, like the mum. Not a real mum. She, she's like <laughs> she just reminded me of a young Doc Cotton for Extenders fans. <laughs> yeah. And she's, like, does, and that, that's not that's not particularly a criticism. I no, love no, Doc Cotton. I do as well. I love Doc Cotton. Like, but I was like, does this woman ever blink as well? Because <laughs> she's so starey. I was like, someone give her some eye drops. God, she's going to be really suffering. But yeah, so she she was like. I was I was actually so surprised with the kids. I thought the kids were great. Yeah, they entered into it knowing exactly yeah. what they needed to do, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they were very, they were very, they were very natural. I thought so. They they were a bit more believable, but yeah, you could see that it wasn't it wasn't real. But jumping the gun a little bit, even though I knew that and I took it in the the spirit, if you pardon the pun, um, <laughs> that it was intended later. When it got to the end, I was actually, even though I know it's not real and I am a full grown adult and it's from a while ago now, it did make me just go, at the end, it it properly did. I was like really properly anxious at the end. Yeah, it's genius. We'll talk about the ending in great detail in a bit, but um, it's, um, like you say, despite the fact that it's it's essentially a fictional film. Yeah. I'm, it's I'm wa- superbly directed. Oh yeah, because I'm I'm written. walking into it knowing that it's not a real thing. Yeah, and even knowing that, and even giggling a little bit, yeah. like about yeah. some of the bits, it's like, <laughs> oh okay, all right, dot. It, it, I, I still at the end was just like, oh god, I'm not sure. And I, and I was actually sat watching it on my own at the end. Oh good, yeah, and and yeah. And, and I I was getting a little bit. Like oh I'm not I'm not sure I like this. It felt really uncomfortable at the end, and, and when it finished, it, it, it the ending is just great. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it is so good. Yeah, really, really good. From when you start and go, oh, maybe this is a bit naff. To the end, it's like that's actually really unnerving. And who thought Parky could pull something like that off? Yeah. All these people, I'll talk about this later, but mm. I think everyone in that was doing, that is the height. I feel, <laughs> it sounds a bit silly, but like to someone who really ha- maybe hasn't watched it, but all those people we mentioned, I feel like this is the height of their talents. I just thought, I yeah. thought, good on you. You really, you really did it, Pratt. Oh God, yeah. And I would say anybody that does watch it, if you've not seen it and you've you've listened to this and you do want to seek it out. Don't give up on it. Keep yeah. watching because because it, it, it does feel a little bit like, yeah, whatever, at first. But then the longer you watch it, it the payoff is worth it at the end, I think. Do you know what I find funny now? Because mm. at the time, um, there, there are so many little bits in it mm. that to me as a kid made it seem more real. Like they've got people playing supposed paranormal experts and they've got people 
they show you behind the scenes, don't they? Mm. And they talk about the various types of camera and infrared mm. and microphone things. Mm. And it, it just made it very, very real. And I remember going to school on Monday and everyone was talking about it. And at the time, like I said, I was completely scared out my wits because I've been looking forward to it for ages and I watched it on my own in my bedroom, which was a mistake. But I was so used to watching horror and supernatural horror at a young age than on my own that I thought, yeah, this is this is going to give me nightmares, but sod it, it'll be worth it for the experience. And I certainly didn't expect to be as ridiculously terrified as I was, but some of my school friends who are the same age as me said they knew when they were watching it that it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. And looking back for a while, I felt a bit daft that I hadn't been able to see that for myself. However, I knew a lot of the, the a lot of the kids I knew watched it with their older brothers or older sisters yeah. or with the family, and I watched it on my own I thought if you've been on your own oh god because yeah. um, they probably watched it with people who are like parents who might have verbalized that don't worry this is a hoax mm. and everyone came to school and they're like yeah I knew it was a hoax because it was sort of like that mm. are you cool enough to have known it was a hoax or not so I kind of I was an only child and I had I was just there with my dog Musty and he didn't he couldn't tell me that he thought it was a hoax but um I wondered if they'd been on their own they'd have been as scared as me but I find it funny now looking back and seeing uh you know the studio psychologist doctor for Oh, yeah. Dr. Lynn Pascoe. She was in Holby City and doctors after that and teachers. Like when I watch it now, I'm like, she's called Gillian Bevan, uh, the actress who plays Dr. Lynn Pascoe. She's from Stockport, Northern Connection. But she, uh, yeah, when I watch it now, I'm like, oh, it's the lady from Doctors. How did I not know? <laughs> but then Doctors hadn't happened then. Yeah. And it's so obvious that she's acting. But that's what it is. Everyone else, there were presenters who were playing themselves. Mm. And kind of that's made you think uh, not mm. everyone it's just clever how some are actors and some aren't it's not like they got a whole new load of presenters in yeah it was like you know some people were playing themselves I it's al- just very clever yeah I but al- silly at the same time yeah. when you watch it. it it is but also i thought with her dr lynn pascoe i, I wrote down <laughs> i like her outfit <laughs> oh, yeah oh she's so <sighs> early 90s isn't she it's just brilliant i was like yeah that would be a great Halloween costume. It's very niche, <laughs> but it's good. Um, I thought she she got better, and I think that's because it felt it felt very structured at first, which is what kind of makes apart from Parky, of course, we've all bowed down to Parky. <laughs> but um, it felt very structured at first, but then as it went on, it felt like she settled into it a bit yeah. more, and it felt more it felt more natural. I like the way she starts off quite uh, confident and uh, mm. bullshy, and mm. then she starts to lose it, doesn't she? Like yeah. towards the end, she's like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like for all yeah. her science and whatever, yeah. she's kind of there to represent people who are sort of skeptics but not closed-minded. And I like the yeah. way they got her in. She was like two sides of this, because Parky's like, "Yeah, whatever. This is this yeah. is silly, isn't it? Yeah. He's there as a skeptic, isn't it? Yeah, and she she's very much like, "Oh, you've got to have an open mind type of thing, but still be skeptical." I, what I really liked is when. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but there was um, a bit where you saw somebody on the because they had cameras in the house, yeah. didn't they? And then some the people can phone in and like Parker's going, oh, we seem to have some uh, viewers have seen something. Can we roll yeah. the footage back? And then they roll they roll the footage back, and then she just goes, oh, oh no, there was there was nothing there basically, which I thought was actually really good because. They could have easily gone for. Oh no, there there was something yeah, there. So it's, yeah, yeah. So it was like no. She she may be like the person who's less skeptical, but I think that was to build the character of she's still a voice of reason. If you know what I mean. Speaking of voices, 
Uh, Ghost Watch was directed by Leslie Manning, who actually provides the voice of the ghost that's haunting the house. Oh, really? Uh, the supposed investigation takes place. Um, and it's written by a guy called... The screenplay is uh, done by a guy called Stephen. I don't know how you say it. It's V-O-L-K, so Volk or Volk. I'm not sure yeah. how you say it. If I listen to the Not Once for Yes episode, I'd probably know how to pronounce yeah. it. But Stephen Volk, 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 uh, he wrote another paranormal series called Edge of Darkness. And Ghostwatch was originally meant to be a series with the live show being the grand finale, mm. apparently. Um, but the bigwigs decided to just do it as a 19-minute special on Halloween night, which I think was probably wise because it's less time for people to work out it was a hoax, I think. Yeah. So Ghostwatch is based on and heavily inspired by the story of the Enfield Poltergeist, which is a very well-known actual British haunting, highly publicised by the press in the 1970s. And there have been a number of dramatisations about it, such as The Conjuring 2 and the TV drama The Enfield Haunting, starring Timothy Spall mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I don't know why I'm laughing, uh, and Matthew McFadden. Do you say McFadden or McFadden? I say McFadden, but I don't know whether that's... Correct. <laughs> Him. Uh, so it's incredibly famous, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Have you you've, have you heard of the Enfield Hunt? Have you? I have, yeah. Because <laughs> right. I think there was... What year was the Enfield Haunting? Was it in it the was 70s? In the 70s? It was I think in the it 70s. Was, was it seven, I've got it down here somewhere. I mm. think it's 73. No, it was between 77 and 79. Ah, right. Because I think that's there's some very famous photographs, isn't there, yes. that, that, were, that were around with uh, one of the girls midair. Yeah. And so that's that's that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. That scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And oh this, my God. this show very much relies on imagery from those photographs. Yeah. The Enfield Poltergeist is an episode I really love to do sometime in the near future. Yeah. Um, anyway, listeners, you can read all about it elsewhere if you can't wait for me to get around to telling you about it. But just to loosely explain, the Enfield Poltergeist was a claim of supernatural activity at 284 Green Street in Brimsdown, Enfield, North London, that occurred between the years of 1977 and 1979 with much of the activity centering around two sisters, Janet and Margaret Hodgson. So Janet was 11 at the time and Margaret was 13, and there were four children in total living in the house when single parent Peggy Hodgson called local police to her home claiming she'd witnessed furniture moving and knocking sounds coming from the walls, after which all hell broke loose inside the house, prompting two prominent members of the Society for Psychical Research. I'm running out of breath. <laughs> That's a long title. I mean, they could abbreviate it. <laughs> uh, so, the, so yeah, so basically, Peggy Hodgson, things were happening inside of her house. And after she got the press involved telling them, furniture's moving, what do I do? All hell broke loose in the house. And the um, two members of the Society for Psychical Research, Morris Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair, which is a great name. These are the two people that are played by Timothy Spall and Matthew McFadden in the TV show. They became involved. And again, I'll talk about this on another episode because I don't want to spoil the anticipation of that hugely professional masterpiece I'll be constructing at a later date. (laughs) Uh, But if you do want to know more about the phenomena supposedly experienced inside the real life 284 Green Street, Enfield, I'd recommend a book called This House is Haunted, which was written by Guy Lyon Playfair. It's a first-hand account of everything he witnessed in the house and it's a really addictive read whether you believe what's written in there or not it, it, it's just a really good horror narrative it's mm. it, absolutely brilliant i couldn't put it down it's just really creepy mm. so creepy have you heard of that book 
I've heard of it, but I've not read it. So it's yeah. really. I bought it ages ago on Kindle, I think, and I don't think I don't. I can't look at my phone because it's on airplane mode. But I don't, mm. I'm not sure how much it is. It might mm. be. I don't know if it's a cheap purchase because it's. Um, I don't, you can probably find it on eBay yeah. as a paperback if you don't want to pay for it online. I'm sure it wasn't the cheapest to buy online, mm. but that was a while ago. But it might things might have changed. It might be back in print or whatever. But it's really it's brilliant. Mm. It's a really good book. I, I remember as a kid that very vividly the the stories around that so when they did the tv program i started watching it but i was oh god i'm such a wimp i was watching it on my own and i i, I couldn't watch it on my own because i remember i remember it scaring the crap out of me which one the um the, the, the enfield the, one with oh, timothy yeah. spall it's hor- just it's, like it's good. yeah yeah i just i just remember all the photos as a kid because you know you, you you get a bit obsessed with stuff like that and, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well yeah well even now <laughs> but you know what i mean like I, I was i was more obsessed as a kid i don't know why i think because i think i've said in a previous podcast we watched arthur c Clarke's world of strange powers and things like that and we had various books like that in the house so i and I, I was aware of it so as an adult when they did the the tv show i was like yeah i'm watching that and then started watching it I was on my own i was like i can't watch it on my own i'm too scared so but i need to revisit it i think i, I need to watch it it is a good tv show maybe mm. we should watch it together yeah. and maybe do another one of these about it maybe yeah. but yeah the tv show is really really good yeah um the the conjuring 2 and the tv show uh, her aren't really that accurate in terms of facts and things like that like mm. especially the conjuring too like it's, it's great the tv show is probably better it does a really good job of um representing the sort of near poverty that the family supposedly were in maybe over exit a little bit yeah um but the conjuring too is uh, there's lots of things in that that wildly inaccurate yeah, inaccurate because yeah. ed and lorraine warren weren't actually involved in that investigation i think they might have turned up at the house and uh, refused entry so they weren't they weren't involved but it's sort of like what you're gonna do yeah you know it's still a very good message it's you know it's an empowering message in most of the conjuring films isn't it those two you can really the actors do a good job of representing how love is love is the answer yeah yeah (laughs) which you can't really criticize someone for that no but the teleplay for Ghostwatch is genius. It's it's really very cleverly written in a way that taps into the, the whole theme of a struggling single parent living at the fictional Fox Hill Drive, going through a harrowing divorce with more than one child to support and being preyed upon in a weakened state by a poltergeist and, mm. let's face it, the press as well. Mm. Michael Parkinson... He's from the north of England as well. He sure is. That's another of our haunted up north boxes <laughs> ticks. Uh, he's from Cudworth near Barnsley. Oh, Barnsley. Oh, I don't wow. know if they talk like that in Barnsley. I'm just, mm. You just you naturally fall into that pronunciation of Barnsley, don't you? You do. In South Yorkshire. <laughs> as we've discussed before, Michael Parkinson, infamous for being the host of the British talk show Parkinson is the key in-studio presenter and, you know, for want of a better term, BBC's most prized and credible of employees. So for small child like me, as I was at the time, I just automatically thought there was a factual bit of telly that was about to unfold before my eyes and the casting along with the teleplay was it's just more of the geniusness because Parky... He was serious. He was serious business, wasn't he? Yeah, he's not fiction. He no. doesn't do fiction. Yeah, he's not involved he with fact. that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he deals in fact, and um, you know he's a safe pair of hands, isn't he? So well, yeah, you think well, this is there's the conflicting thing of of, of well. Sure, he wouldn't do something that's not factual. Well, yeah, he asks people questions about themselves, and they reply with mm. facts. 
Mm. And cold hard facts. Exactly. It's none of your James Corden nonsense no. with, uh, in, in Parkyland. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he enjoys a small giggle now and again. Of but, course. You know. But yeah, but <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say is he was a real adult. Yes. And the fact that Parky was involved in a live paranormal investigation, it instantly turned the whole thing from seri- silly. It could have been silly and daft, but mm. you kind of thought this is something I might take seriously mm. in terms of it's real. Yeah. And he does question on it as well, which is good. Yeah, I just love, just, <laughs> I just, I just love his. Just you just don't expect that. Uh, we'll talk about the ending, yeah. but you just yeah. don't expect it because he's like, huh, they're all playing themselves. Yeah, he's so he's so matter of fact, isn't he? As well, like yeah. when he's asking questions and getting, he's like, but surely that's not <laughs> real, is it? Surely not. And it's like he's the voice of the audience like yeah, yeah surely yeah, it's yeah, not yeah he is parky's going surely not and we're going yeah parky tell it like it is and mike smith oh yeah he was supposed to be our friend oh, no. <laughs> his solemn friendly face and his wife sarah green i trusted i trusted them i know because um, like that bit where sarah green gets trapped in the the weird haunted glory hole closet because she's on site reporting with craig charles dave lister off of red dwarf oh, God, he's another yeah. one i trusted but yeah I was genuinely scared for her welfare mm. because partly because of the concern in Mike Smith's face because it's his wife. When she goes missing inside the glory hole, it's quite a heartbreaking moment because all throughout the build-up, they have this banter between them, don't they? Like, mm. oh, what did she call him? Smithy. She something. calls him Smithy. <laughs> Smithy. Smithy. But it's like an yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Before, before the Conjuring films, uh, it's just really very, it's so clever and I want to give virtual high fives to Sarah Green, most of all, out of everybody. She's great, isn't she? She's really good. Is she, oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it just reminded me of how much I liked her. Because yes, she's, yes. you know, she's a big part of my teenage years, yes, is yeah. Sarah Green. She's and, lovely. And she, and she was great. And I was just like, oh, so nostalgic. But I totally didn't realise that Craig Charles was in it. Yeah. So when his little face <laughs> popped up, and he's such cheek, he's so so cheeky, and and he's he's very like he's a joker. Well, he's just a joker, <laughs> and he, but he's properly taking the mick. So he's kind of like the. So rather than like, he's just there for the laughs. He's there for the laughs. He's there for the bants. But also, he's just there's a bit where. He's chatting to this old guy and he links arms with him and then walks along and I'm like, what are you doing, you silly joker of a man? It, it, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just really daft. It's just really daft. Did you know that he started off as an edgy TV poet? I did. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. He, I did. He was a performance poet on various BBC and Channel 4 chat shows like Pebble Mill, like a John Cooper Clark. I had yeah. no idea. yeah. I, I, I do remember that, but then I've forgotten it because he's obviously done loads since. But yeah, yeah, he started off doing that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you know what my favourite bit of his is when he jumps out on Sarah Green in a mask? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. oh! Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it's, um, he's the proper... Like, if, if Parky is the voice of reason, he's like the complete, this is ridiculous and I'm just, at the very least, going to have a laugh. Yeah. I've been paid to come and have a laugh. Yeah, they all have their different parts to mm. play, don't they? And Sarah Green 
So Mike Smith's kind of the observer. Mm. Craig Charles is the joker. Mm. And Sarah Green, she's like the mother, isn't she? She's like the yeah. mothering type because she cements herself so beautifully in the home. Mm. And she's making cups of coffee and joining in with the kids' apple bobbing because yeah, it's Halloween yeah. and bedtime routine. Yeah, yeah. So she's mothering them and it's absolutely brilliant. You can't help. She does such a good job mm. of getting you to emotionally connect with the family, mm. doesn't she? Oh, yeah. I just I feel like I'm welling up a little bit here oh. because I'm so passionate about Sarah Green performance but she is good she's an absolute talent absolute talent in this well when she starts off she's got she has got that edge that i remember i remember as a teenager of the t the the kids tv presenter so it's like it's very to me it was very familiar and comforting because it's like it did feel like she was just doing her normal yeah presenter thing it didn't feel like she was acting it was just a normal presenter thing that she she I'm just so used to seeing her yeah do it but then as it went on she's she's almost like like you say it's that very caring sad but it's like well I'm things are getting serious now I need to do something I'm, I'm going to step out of that presenter side and I'm because I'm why is no one doing anything I'm going to do something yeah yeah so, yeah yeah totally yeah. I think she should be in the top 10 world's most brilliant scream queens. <laughs> yeah. I do, though. She's great. I was going, don't go in the cupboard, please. <laughs> the glory hole. The glory hole. <laughs> I mean, okay, so who actually thought that was a good idea? Because the moment they said <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the glory hole, the boarded up the glory hole, I was like, oh. Stop saying glory hole. I think I think it is like it's one of these things where it's um, it's a very unsavory show. Yeah. Like in terms of horror, it's sort of um, it's it's just very unnerving. And I feel like because there's the whole sexual element to pipes, isn't there? Oh, God, and I think yeah. maybe they thought let's just go for it. We'll call this a, a glory hole because yeah. like yeah, it adds. We'll just do it. We'll just do it. And we'll call it a glory hole. It adds to the seediness. And when they were saying the strong smell of cabbage coming from oh, the glory honestly, hole, yeah. it's just like it's brilliant, like awful. A dead body. I've got a note written on my nose about Alan Demescu. I think he was one of the. You know, when they do at the beginning, they go around everything, so they introduce the different crew and stuff. Yeah. I think I haven't written who he was, but I think he was. Like the tech guy. Right. So they've got like the outside broadcasting unit and they've got like the heat cameras and stuff. And I think, but <laughs> he's got a ponytail and earring that obviously makes him legit. <laughs> <laughs> it does though, doesn't it? Because it's it? like, it ties to a certain era, doesn't yeah, it? It's like, totally. I'm technical. <laughs> yeah. I have a ponytail and earring. So therefore, I am legit. <laughs> He's a bit like, um, have you ever seen the film Insidious or the Insidious film series? Mm, no. There's two guys in that that are paranormal um, mm. experts and mm. they go around with the, the woman who's the medium in that. Mm. And they start off looking a bit like that because yeah. they're like, you know, sort of tech guys are sort of cool and edgy. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they develop into these guys with suits and ties and stuff to be more credible. But yeah, yeah I know exactly what I mean. It is of a... But I also was thinking, like, when, when they were initially showing, like, off the equipment and they were saying about um, the special cameras that capture heat and stuff, and I was thinking, do you... Because they, they actually said, like, oh, they, they can, they'll be able to see things that are lurking in the shadows. And I thought, do ghosts emit a heat signature? But so I, instantly I was going, mm, that's a bit crap. But then, obviously, the pet, that's a set-off, set-up, sorry, for later. Yeah. 
And it, it's nothing to do with the ghost, really, is it? That's when they kind of lose power and stuff, yes, and yes. you can only see yeah. the outline of, <laughs> of Sarah Green and the Brilliant. cameraman and stuff. And I thought that was actually pretty clever because I thought at first that's really naff, but it but it was nothing to do with the ghost. It was like a really good device to heighten the yeah. like the 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 fear to be a bit more scared because you don't know what's going on and you can only see that of. Sarah Green and the cameraman. And also, people don't really know that much about the specifics of ghost science enough to well, say they don't emit a heat well, signature. <laughs> that's that's like a complete unconscious bias on my on my part. That's a complete um, bias because I, I was automatically thinking, well, ghosts have that. How the hell do I know? I have no idea yeah. whether they do. But I, that's what I was thinking. But that was good because yeah. it made me a bit more like, mm. but then no. No, it made me even more scared later. Yeah, and which is when, this is why you sort of like, um, you can then look at it as a work of art, can't yeah. you? Rather than a yeah. scientific investigation. Do you know what is a work of art? Go on. Sarah Green's hair bow. <gasps> that is hair bow. so 90s. And I think I had one like that. And I remember, it's just that sensory thing. She's got a lovely, a lovely lady's bow. Yeah. And her hair that's so 90s. It is. It fits well with um, the youngest daughter having a forever friends yes, um, nighty friends. on as well. I was like, oh my god, bow in the hair, forever friends nighty. Yeah. It's legit the nineties. All the awesome, all the awesome nineties things. Yeah, yeah. Forever friends. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> they're lovely. They are lovely like, little bears. Lovely cuddly bears. <laughs> yeah. in, in a nightmare scenario. <laughs> Um, Forever Friends are launching a couple of new card ranges, including oh. augmented reality. Oh, wow. That's quite exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you're a certain age, well, they're still around, but I think yeah. definitely if you're of a certain age, you, you definitely remember it's like proper full-on Forever Friends. Yeah, um, very nostalgic. Very nostalgic, nice. yeah. Because it's like, what was it, eight, late 80s or something when yeah. they yeah. first started? Um, but yeah. that's, that's still going strong. Yeah, but that that's another thing that's like another genius thing because, you know, what's what's more inoffensive than an, a Forever Friends nighty? Yes. It's like when... Um, Nothing bad's going to happen, is it? Because, no. you know, you've got cuddly bears. Yes, yeah, and it's the comfort. And it's the comfort, but we know better. But that, that's sort of um, another, another point I was going to make about something related to that is another genius technique the production team employs, the footage they show you from the very start of the paranormal activity mm. uh, that they record in the girl's bedroom at an earlier date while they're sleeping, a supposed evidence of what horrors Pipes gets up to with them mm. during the night. And it's slightly grainy, so it seems like almost legitimately mm. home video style quality, if you know what I mean. But it's also exciting at the time because it was like, wow, this is a hidden camera in someone's room. And it mm. was, ooh. And it was effective for me at the time, as, as you'll discover as we talk about this more, uh, the inclusion of Dr. Pascoe's university research video type at the bottom of the screen uh, when they're showing this uh, bedroom footage uh, that made it even more credible in my, my child's mind. You think, oh, it must be serious. Um, but just the whole the whole bit about it being in the bedroom as well it mm. feels safe it it yeah. sort of is a snapshot of being when you're in bed you feel safe don't you you're supposed mm. to feel safe and you've got your forever friends nighty on and you're cozy yeah um and i think that's why the enfield poltergeist inspired so much interest because it was like ghosts can invade your safe space and i feel like yeah this show was invading it felt like this pipes is invading the safe space of the bedroom 
Perhaps it's invading the safe space of your home. Yeah. Your actual home. Yeah. That first scene with the recorded bedroom footage where Pipes starts knocking around the kids while they're asleep, because uh, they, they call the ghost Pipes, don't they? Mm. Um, that's what it supposedly did. Knocks, knocked against the pipes of the house. Uh, like how the kids in the Enfield poltergeist, they had, they had a name for their poltergeist. They called it Bill. And the family of the Herman family haunting that the film Poltergeist is loosely based on called There's Popper. Um, I think that's quite cool. The poltergeist has a name Mm -hmm. um, because the popper in the Herman family haunting would uh, routinely pop the caps off household bottles um, that were sitting around the house. So it's a great touch that giving the poltergeist a name. But yeah, when pipes starts knocking and objects begin to crash around the room as the girls and the girl starts screaming, just before the mum comes in to get them out of the room, there's a bit where you just see the bed sheets falling down as though they've just been jerked upwards by an unseen hand. Mm. And that for me, that's very, that that was so, uh, that was one of the scariest things I'd seen on television at the time. Mm. And it seemed so authentically terrifying and freaky and it was, it was just brilliant. And it was, it was very much in line with a similar paranormal bedsheet account from the Enfield Poltergeist story. So you can see that this is just like, just exactly where all this has been influenced. There's a massively eerie photograph from the Enfield haunting investigation where a curtain is slowly wrapping itself around Janet Hodgson, uh, one of the daughters, while she's in bed. And it's sort of getting tangled up with the curtains as well. And it's really horrible. And if that photo's fake, I don't know how the heck they did it in the 70s. Mm. It's just, have you seen it before? Yeah. It's yeah. it's just so creepy as well to have thought of that. It really is. Because if you have, if it is faked, how do you even do that? But yeah. if it isn't... And think to do it. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So it's that sheet ghost effect mm. again, isn't it? The mm. scariest of all ghosts. Yeah. Sheet ghost. Because that where you, where the viewers phone in and think that they've seen something and you do see, you do see it as a viewer, it's pipes stood oh, by the, by the window yeah. right next to the curtain. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh. But yeah, the figure standing by the bed <sighs> is just horrible. I mean, that's the thing that even though I knew it was fake, I still went, <gasps> Because there's lots of horrible things in this, isn't there? There's mm. the thudding in the walls and there's the bad smells, the broken crockery, the bent spoons, the free association writing, scratches on faces, uh, you know, getting trapped in the cellar with the foul breathing <laughs> yeah. entity. The horrible, but the scariest thing is the figure. There's nothing scarier no. than a figure, isn't there? No, is there? no. It's... If, if, you show, if you made a, a ghost film where it's just basically a figure being spotted now and again in the scenes, you, that'll do. Just a figure not saying anything. Just stood there yeah. by your bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. There's a guy who comes on <laughs> at some point, unrelated to the Fox Hill Drive scenes. He's just a scary tale-telling guest, I think. And he's got his face blurred out like a member of the IRA or something. <laughs> and he, he tells this story about a haunting he experienced where, where a, <laughs> a ghost he encountered smeared saliva and poo everywhere. <laughs> Do you know which one I mean? I do, yeah. It's disgustingly awesome, that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's like there's a few little stories integrated with this show. That is just a really, you wouldn't expect that, would you? It's like, this is someone who really wants this to be a horror, a good, unsavory horror. And there's a few little stories from locals who talk of knifings, missing children, and dead, cut, open dogs with puppy fetuses in oh, playgrounds. I know. It's like really horrid urban legend style stuff, like, you know, like the severed head banging on the roof mm. of a car. 
it's like that, isn't it? It's pretty clever in its bravery of building up a sense of horror through really grotesque, everyday, nightmarish writing that's sort of like this kind of stuff that kids would make up to mm. tell each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not expecting that at all. No. And I like the fact that Craig Charles is not faced by it in the slightest. Because <laughs> I was like, dead dog with dead puppets. <laughs> like, that's like one of the worst yeah, things it's, ever. It's the worst thing you can imagine. It's like awful. And he's like, all right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's listen to another nutcase. Just Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's a bit Moving like on. that, really. <laughs> Moving on. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that funny? But it's also that, like, that is so disturbing. Mm. And that's what he's there for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. To rein it back a bit. So it's not too... It, you, you're not bogged down with it. It's like, yeah, that's horrible. But also... Next. And it, it, it just makes it a little bit... I don't, it's just it, so clever the way everyone has their roles. Yeah, it maybe lightens it a bit, but yeah. also makes it even the more harrowing. Because, yeah, you know, well, yeah, if he looked a bit like, a bit like, <laughs> oh, well... But he's like, anyway... <laughs> It's like, oh. Yeah, because the audience is like, Helen Craig, what, did you hear what she just did said? Did you just hear? You're not interested, really, are you? You're basically just taking the money. Yeah. <laughs> but talk, speaking of um, urban legend style things, the real scary stuff, I feel, is when the youngest starts talking about seeing Pipes standing in the corner of the room and glimpsing him staring at her through a crack in the basement door. Oh, yeah. You know, that bit where she talks about the crack in the glory hole. <laughs> yeah. The crack, the glory hole crack. <laughs> yeah. Is textbook school kid scary story in the playground vibes. I, I saw a ghost blinking at me through the keyhole of the television room at school. Yeah. Like, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing, isn't it? A lot of the time they, they do refer to the ghost as just pipes. But yeah. when she stood... <laughs> When she stood by the glory hole, sorry, that's never going to not be funny. And she's and she calls him Mister Pipes, and which I find more harrowing oh, yeah. because she's like, I can see him through the gap, Mister Pipes. <laughs> it's like, oh, Mister Pipes. That's just like they should should have maybe just stuck to Mister Pipes because that yeah. a child calling a ghost Mister Pipes rather than just Pipes is. I don't know why that's more harrowing, but it is. But I think it's because it's like it's showing a child's vulnerability that they have to refer to someone that they might consider an adult figure, mm. which is what he is. That call him by their titles, yeah, and they're yeah. they're if they're being influenced by somebody they think they think they should automatically be influenced by because they're an adult, mm. and that is how predators work, isn't it? It's that's how they true. play into that. So it's just yeah. it really shows how much of a predator this guy is that he's got a hold of this kid the kid feels it has to pay she has to pay him some kind of homage it's, to the fact yeah. that he's someone she needs to yeah it's almost like obey a, almost yeah yeah authority it's, yeah it's an authoritarian it's an authoritarian respect thing isn't yeah it, i guess for someone you shouldn't be respecting or even talking to yeah and the drawing she does of Mr. Pipes with red bits coming out of his <laughs> yeah. face. Yeah. I love the way that Ghostwatch utilises the simplicity of children mm. and their understanding and experience of what ghosts are in such a convincing manner. Mm. Like that drawing. It's a yeah. child's drawing. Yeah. It's like, it makes me think of, you know, the scary lullaby in Poltergeist. <gasps> yeah. Like, it's sort of like, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of, it feels like that. I think it's like, like a lullaby and a child's hand-drawn picture they're the ultimate of innocence aren't they but then if they're used in terms of like happenings that makes it even more yeah. scary doesn't it really yeah and the bit where they play the sound the sound recording of his voice manifesting through the oldest daughter mm. Suzanne sings that horrible nursery rhyme at one point mm. I guess it's a bit like that as well and mm. that's probably what's made me think of that yeah 
Ew. Yeah, ew. <laughs> the heart palpitation stage for me began when I watched it for the first time. It happened at the point where things started happening to the presenters and the crew. Mm. So at that point, it's sort of, mostly it's, you're focusing on things that are happening to the victim, the family. Mm. But then it starts happening to the crew, mm. which is just brilliant. It starts, it's mm. overlapping into, you know, the crew are the barrier between yeah. that and us. And yeah. it starts seeping into the into the crew. And that weird wet circle, do you remember the weird wet circle? Oh, God, the yeah. weird wet circle appears on the carpet. And Sarah Green, she says, oh, <laughs> it's horrible. A weird yeah. wet circle on a carpet. It just makes you think of urine and like yeah just and it's in a circle yeah and she's like oh perhaps an old tomcat has got in here <laughs> I know. she's making an in- innocent explanation for something grotesque yeah and that's brilliant that line oh but and that- it's just and and but the whole thought of a tomcat coming in unseen and then leaving and mm. itself is scary but there is like a bit of a drip feed of the cat theme anyway because yes. yeah because obviously oh, she yeah. she says that about the wet circle which is like oh and she's she's just trying to think of a very rational explanation but I, i'm not sure i can't remember now whether it that is before or after the bit where they heat they hear the cat and then they pull the curtain and there's a cat outside oh right okay. and i can't remember whether that's before or after that but then i guess it doesn't matter because there's this this there's this theme running through it of cats and then you hear more you, you hear more cats because you just think, well, is there a cat trapped in the house? And yeah. it turns out there's just a cat outside. So you go, oh, it's just a cat outside. Yeah. But then you find out later, no. <laughs> That's, that, that is the expert. Because the weird scratches on the the daughter's face. And then yeah, they, but then they, scratches, aren't they? They, they look at her nails because... Um, oh, yeah, she looks... She's, yeah. They look at the nails to see if she's done it herself because this is after... She's been discovered doing some tappy taps on the pipes. Oh yeah, because she felt, um, and this is what happened in the Enfield haunting. Mm. Um, because there was so much press attention, the kids then feel like they needed to perform. Yeah, and that the, something it, needed to happen. Yeah, it's like, why is your ghost not doing anything? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, oh well, it sometimes does. It's like the other day I took my car to the garage because there was a, a an odd knocking sound that I didn't really uh, know what it was. And so I took it to the garage and we took it out for a test run. And the knocking sound didn't happen when of it's course, like, yeah. you know, when, when I when I take it to the garage. And it's like that, isn't it? But yeah, apparently that did happen in the Enfield Haunting. So the kids in this show, they knock on the pipes sometimes mm. because they feel pressure to perform. It's like, oh, it's a hoax, you silly yeah. children. It's like, well, no, you made me do this. This yeah. is like a toxic, it's become such a toxic relationship. But that's a turning point in the the whole thing isn't it because then it's just dismissed out of hand especially yeah. by parky Parky's-, parky's just like right that's it <laughs> basically if parky could he would have stopped the whole live show there and then yeah well, there's it's a silly little girl yeah. who's you know but he's also a bit mean to dr he's, lynn he's really dr. mean lynn's like oh I, 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 I don't I don't know how this happened. He's like, oh, oh. Yeah, he's like, oh, you don't know how it's happened, do you? Stupid woman. Like, yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> well, it's a naughty child, isn't it? Just just performing for the camera. And, and then you just go, oh, shit. But then after that, after being um, found out for, for knocking on the pipes, that's when she then has, the, she goes into a bit of a, a fugue state, doesn't she? Yeah. And then she's got the scratches on her face. And then it's like, well, look at look under. It's obviously she's done it to herself. And then her mum, I think it's her mum, says, but look at her fingernails. Because to get in that state, yes. you would have blood under your fingernails and stuff because she was a right mess. 
And then you can hear the cats again, which, oh God, I mean, I love cats, but that <laughs> was properly unnerving. When a cat um, is howling in distress, whether it's fighting with another cat or it's scared, mm. the noise a cat makes is one of the most terrifying things ever. I love cats. Mm. I have a cat. You have a cat. Mm. They're very lovely, snuggly creatures, but they have an ability to sound otherworldly. And so it's not surprising that cats were utilised in this. And they have claws. They do have claws. They're dangerous. They're basically... Don't mess with them. <laughs> they're basically mini panthers. Yeah, they are. Um, So, you know. But yeah, the doctor does say, doesn't she? She's like, don't be so hasty. And that's the way of bringing it back again, isn't mm. it? It's like, don't be so hasty. This isn't, you know, this is poltergeist trickery, mm. doesn't she? She's like, mm. she doesn't... So his park is like, no. He's like, she, oh, come on. Yeah. Isn't he? Oh, come on. And they've got that American paranormal... Oh, uh, yeah. A denier, haven't they? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> they have ha, a ha. yeah, they have a bit of a thing and they early on, on don't, on they? It, don't they? Almost? Yeah, yeah. Because he's like very dismissive, and she's like, well, he basically, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Instantly, when they think it's a hoax, they cut to him, and yeah, he's like, see, I'm right. You're 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 wrong, and you've been proved a fraud in front of everybody on national television. Ha ha ha. You know. But yeah, she she's she's very much let let's let's not be hasty and then But then they immediately get you back in the mood, don't they? Oh, they God, don't yeah. let that last for too long. No, no. Because then you get more real life scary instances with strange unexplained video malfunctions. So this is the tech. Yeah. Pipes has got into the tech. Yeah. And more and more people ringing in talking about being scared of things inside the homes. And apparently people, real, even though these calls were fake, mm. but people were genuinely ringing in, apparently, because mm. um, a lot of people were in genuine fear, like me. Mm. Or they were just to join in, but they got a lot of complaints, which I'll talk about later. Mm. But when they were airing terrified calls from pretend people saying things like glass tables were getting smashed in the living rooms and maiming the husbands with blood all over the walls and hypnotised children staring at the telly's a good one. That's very poltergeist. Yeah. You know, and electronics failing across the country at dogs barking uncontrollably that was when the end was nearly in sight for me because mm. I was like uh, uh, I, I thought I was going to die <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought the world was going to blow up it was yeah. basically war of the world's effect wasn't it especially when the yeah. doctor starts panicking because she's quite calm yeah and then she starts panicking like she's lost control and she's the doctor and I'm like what if, this, if the scientists don't know what's going on yeah how, yeah. how are we going to survive this yeah and and Mike Smith Smithies Yes, like Smithy. panic <laughs> with his wife, like not being able to contact his wife because oh, like the comms God. go wait, down. Wait, 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 I want to talk to my wife. About my wife. <laughs> no. I think panic can sometimes be infectious as well. So you've got a drip feed of, of panic going on. Like you say, you've got the authority figure of Dr. Lynn who is yeah. starting to, to, to not have a grip on properly what's going on and you're thinking she's the expert if she's losing her grip on what's going on yeah. Parky's being a little bit dismissive and uh, Smithy's worried about his wife do you know what Parky I think Parky um, does a great humble job of playing himself in that because he's obviously a little bit older mm. than most people in the crew mm. and I think he's sort of playing the little bit of he's He's playing on his own persona a bit, like he's mm. a little bit older. He's like, oh, just a befuddled old uh, middle-aged man. I feel like he, I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of, it's a very modest performance in the sense that mm. he's not afraid to play that role. Yeah. Of someone who doesn't really know what's going on, like yeah. an older man who doesn't really know what's going on. He's just, 
Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And he, he knows that and he does yeah. it. Yeah. And there's a reason he does it, especially at the end. I think because he, know, he knows what he represents. And, yeah, and, and he's not afraid to show that persona of what he, in um, you know, entertainment terms, represents to the to the public so he's like well yeah that's what i'm here for yeah that's my brand yeah yeah, yeah what? exactly <laughs> it's parking it no um, nonsense yorkshireman so after all these calls supposed calls are coming in and you know things happening across the country this is when the physical description of pipes really comes into play when people ring in saying they'd seen him and you've mentioned this before mm. people ring in mm. saying they'd seen him in the background with scratches on his faces and having a skull-like head and the show reinforces this image by playing a university interview the youngest daughter Kim gave with similar descriptions to that. And my most favourite scenes are the pipes-heavy ones, mm. when his dark figure starts to appear on reruns of the bedroom camera footage, and we start to see a lot more of him, which at first they pretend to pass off as an optical illusion, because people are like, you mentioned it, people are ringing in saying, we thought we saw him in the background, and they play it back and they're like, oh no, no, it's just an optical illusion, but really... It, that, it's that thing again mm. it's like building something up explaining it away mm. then it coming back and mm. each time you can't explain it less and less yeah there's a shot of the youngest child on a television show reportedly from when the press and media first got involved in the case saying she thinks pipes wants to do nasty things yeah. nasty things uh, nasty, nasty things what nasty, are they nasty well, we can imagine the smell of cabbage is what they do oh yeah <laughs> and later on which is horrible as the investigation unfolds we find out pipes is the ghost of a child molester mm. named raymond tunstall which we mentioned earlier who lived in that house and who was possessed by the spirit of mother seddon's a notorious child murderer who used to live in the neighborhood and he killed himself in the cellar where his face was eaten by his cats who'd been locked in with him or his relatives cats mm -hmm. somehow they got locked in there with him before anyone had a mm -hmm. chance to find him i mean is that ahead of its time for the bbc <laughs> well <laughs> it's pretty strong stuff isn't it yeah and mother seddens <sighs> yeah awful the guy who played pipes is a guy called keith ferrari <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> That is a name. Keith Ferrari. He's got the keys to the Lamborghini. Keith <laughs> he <Ferrari>. does. <laughs> it's like Keith Ferrari. Those two don't <laughs> quite. It's like, oh, I just need Keith. Keith, it's not quite... It's not quite there, is it? I know. Ferrari. Danny Porsche. <laughs> yeah. You can see a close-up picture of, uh, of Keith Ferrari dressed as pipes if you Google it. Uh, I might put it on social media... Uh, it's quite gruesome viewing for the eyes and very simple. It's like someone's throwing a load of tomato ketchup at him. But that's the point. It's un it's unsettling in the way the makeup was used. Should we look at it? Mm. Should we look at it? Yeah, let's look at it. Ugh. That's just like... It's like he's lost an eye as well. But it's not even... Um, it's very simple. It's not even it's, yeah. good. No. But that's the point. Yeah. It's just a few scratches and it's very simple and he's got a bloody ear and some kind of smoking jacket. But yeah, it's very Freddy Krueger, that. Yeah. When I was researching this TV film, I found that someone had set up a Twitter profile called Raymond Tunstall oh, no. <laughs> with a picture of the Pipes ghost as the profile image. And um, it just says things like, mmm, 
<laughs> and dum-de-dum. <laughs> and at one point, it just says bugger. <laughs> and one post just has the letter P. <laughs> it's so funny. I'll have to try and find that and oh. share it if it's still there. I don't know if I don't know if uh, I wish it was a while ago when I researched this. I wish it said, <laughs> I heart Parky. <laughs> oh. Maybe that's what the P stands for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Parky. <laughs> Towards the end of the show, there's this almost nasty sound, speaking of nasty things, there's an almost nasty sounding high-pitched cat wailing, which you mentioned, and and Sarah, lovely Sarah Green, oh, nice. starts panicking because she thinks she sees a figure standing behind the bathroom door. Mm. Ooh, we've all been there. Mm. And Parky's, Parky's uh, he comes in and he says, um, the BBC have cancelled the next programme's viewing because this is so dangerous, we can't break the link and we have to stay with the family. Ah! Just <sighs> reading that bit out, I remember feeling like, yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And then Kimmy uh, starts talking to Pipes in the bedroom. And when Sarah asks what Pipes looks like, she says, like somebody's mum. Oh, yes. Mum of Yeah. <laughs> it's hideous to hear because it just com- it comes just after that phone call from a woman who first tells the tale about Mother Seddon's having lived in the street, they're filming mm. uh, this in. So it's sort of coming into the whole, um, it's a man possessed by a woman, by a woman's ghost. <sighs> it's quite progressive it's in like a way, isn't it? That. Double haunting. Yeah. Double whammy of horror. Mm. Then as they're bundling the children out the house, a load of banging starts from who knows where. And just as the camera does a last sweep of the bedroom, this is the best bit. It pans past the window and the figure of Pipes is standing in the middle of the curtains. And when the camera moves back to do a double take, he isn't there anymore. Mm. And that... Hannah was the point at which I screamed. Mm. As a kid, I screamed at the top of my lungs in 1992 as a small child, stupidly watching Ghost Watch at night on my own and hurtled down the stairs to find my mum because I was absolutely gone. Mm. And my mum, it's one of her favourite memories because <laughs> I was wearing like this pink dressing gown <laughs> and I ran down the stairs like, you know, in cartoons when you can't see the feet. In yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> She said it was like that. So fast. But my dressing gown was flapping behind me like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, ah! Oh. And it was just like an absolute comedy, even mm. though she was like, oh my God, what's going on? And um, it's one of her favourite memories ever, like me hurtling down the stairs like a pink Batman, <laughs> screaming, crying. Yeah, but that at that point, it genuinely felt like the big ghost vault in Ghostbusters mm. where they store all the ghosts mm. had actually exploded and Pipes was coming to get me. It was genuinely Ghostbusters, but real and worse than Ghostbusters because I can't actually remember anything happening no. that was as horrible as that, apart from the library ghost. Yeah. You know, and it was Halloween. Yeah. Which makes it extra convincing. Yeah. Because obviously there's more ghosts around at Halloween. Of course. The veil is the thinnest. But it's just like everything slowly gets worse and worse, doesn't it? And un- as it unravels. And when the when the sound man gets knocked out, that's quite... Oh, no. I, I, I'll, full disclosure, I did slightly giggle at that. But also, it was a nervous giggle. Because even though I, I know it's not real, it's like, this is going downhill this is going downhill, what is going to happen? And like when he gets like knocked out and... Those bits after that, for the first time, after the dressing gown incident, for the first time in her life, my mum told me I couldn't watch something. Mm. And she said, you can't watch any more of this. And mm. I was like, but I had to know. I had to know, to know how it ends. So I can't remember exactly when I watched the last bit. I can't remember if I watched it years later or not. Mm. 
I can't quite remember if I or if mm. I sneaked a bit of it on. Mm. I don't know if I did. Mm. So this bit that we're talking about now, I'm not sure whether I watched this as an adult or as a kid. So I don't know whether the the last bit, which is the scariest bit, mm. I don't know if I watched it knowing it was a hoax because I think maybe it's still really unnerving though. I mean, yeah, because after pi- after the pipes glimpse, yeah. this is when the chaos starts, isn't it? Yeah, like you said. So Suzanne starts talking and her mother Seddon's voice and yeah. pictures fall off the walls and. Kimmy's got someone's eyeballs in her hand. Yeah. Hasn't she? Yeah. Like, she's got someone's eyeballs in her hand. Yeah. I Where did the eyeballs I, come I from? I don't know. Has she got eyeballs? Well, Cause I don't I, know. They don't, they don't focus on that so much. They no. sort of, it's like a little bit of an ambiguous thing. It's mm. like, but it, she's got eyeballs in her hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the lights go out, the cats start howling, cameras malfunction and the sound man collapses. Yeah. And Suzanne starts getting attacked by pipes and they lose the link. And then they lose they the link. They lose the link. The the thing is, the very um, the, the very kind of old school tech makes it, I think, more more scary actually. Yeah. Because we're so used to everything being like high def and digital, and and with this being like proper old school and grainy, and you know when they like the link is not working and then it comes back for a bit and then you go as we say to like the the heat camera and stuff and yeah it's really basic but that 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 kind of feel of that older tech just makes it more it's like i find like 70s and 80s horror stuff mm. more more scary because of that and i don't really know why but it, it that's that's why it probably felt so unnerving to me because it reminded me of me watching those like older school things i think with 70s and 80s horror films they seem more real mm. because they were real models they relied mm. less on visual effects mm. and it was kind of like you know like an alien the film mm. alien mm. it's a physical model of mm. an it's a, it's physically there mm. and I don't, I've probably said this before on something else. I feel like I have. Mm. Like, it's a man in an alien suit. Mm. There's an alien wandering around. Mm. And because they're not relying on effects with this, mm. it's you, your brain isn't tempted to um, disassociate from the action. Yeah. By thinking, I wonder how they did that. Yeah. It's like... Exactly. You and don't it, think it, about it so much. You're just like, it's there. It's being yeah. filmed. It's real. <laughs> and I think, I think now given the you know the space of time it, it's it's more forgiving with the I mean it probably it will have been scary at the time but like now it's more forgiving with the the quality like I say I think that adds to it because it's like well it's it's not high def or anything but it just makes it a little bit more oh that's that's a bit it's grainy footage yeah. grainy footage <laughs> is always scary isn't it yeah that's I really love um Although it's done to heck, like I love found footage films. Yeah. Even if even if it's a film, a found footage film that isn't very highly rated, mm. I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Maybe than a film that's highly rated. Yeah. Uh, and it relies on effects. Like found footage is a way of getting back to those yeah. um, those very simplistic ways of crafting horror. I yeah. love found footage films. And yeah. This is essentially sort of like a found footage. In exactly. Exactly. Brilliant. Absolute. Oh my god. But in real time. Yeah. <laughs> the most terrifying of all fan footage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so when they lose the link, uh, it's um, not very nice. Sorry. Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's my wife? I demand to speak to my wife. <laughs> and Craig Charles, he's like, he doesn't know what's going on. Craig he doesn't know what's going on inside because he's outside. He's outside. They're very clever having someone outside the house looking at the house. Yeah. 
and then they suddenly the link seems like it's back yeah yeah and everything's fine and they're just playing like we can see on the screen sarah green and the children are just playing games like mm. everything's normal mm. and it's like oh where did the danger go mm. so it's not like it leads you into the danger no. it cuts back goes to the danger everything's okay danger danger yeah okay okay it's like two steps back no yeah. it's one step back two steps forward yeah and it's just all throughout yeah. all throughout it's brilliant and then someone realizes that it's old footage. Yeah, they're it's showing. not. It's not live footage. It's almost like it's. Yeah, and on this a point, loop. Pipes has full control of what yeah. everyone is seeing. So it's yeah. old footage from earlier in the evening mm-hmm. when everything was fine, and Pipes, in their supernatural capacity, is has got control of the VT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when they sort of. That's when it escalates into full on fear. Mm. Because there's a wind in the studio and oh, yeah. Parky's luxurious hair starts getting blown <laughs> about and the feds arrive at the house. The British feds. It's just the police. Yeah. <laughs> you see the sound man stretched off. Yeah. The bit before. It's a just, casualty. Just, just going back though, when, when, you, when we don't realise that like it's footage from earlier on in the evening and things aren't okay and they go to Craig Charles who's with Ponytail Man... <laughs> With it, with his earring, and Craig Charles is, is he doesn't realise that he's being broadcast because they're having trouble with the broadcast, aren't they? Oh yeah, very. And he doesn't realise, and he's just he's just basically taking the mick out of the whole thing, isn't he? He's <laughs> he's like he's on a fag break. He's yes. just like joshing and oh, going, God. oh well, and and just being quite disparaging about the whole thing. And you you want to say somebody tell him he's he's being broadcast? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again is like. That's unnerving because there's nothing worse than like you saying something and you don't realise that someone is hearing it. Yeah, that's just... that element of realness yeah. in there. Yeah, so that's that's really Brilliant. clever as well because it it's like they can't they can't cut in, so they cut to him and he doesn't realise that he's being broadcast and he's speaking in a way that he wouldn't if he was yeah. actually knowingly on camera. And then they cut back, oh everything's fine, and it's like it's not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just before the studio starts blowing up, yeah, and Sarah gets trapped inside a cellar of howling cats and yeah. <laughs> molestation, and Mike Smith's like, "Where's my wife? Where's my wife?" And Parky's kind of still sat in his chair, isn't he, with his mm. hair getting blown around and yeah. looking around and muttering. Yeah. And this thing I like about this, he refuses to leave his spot, yeah, like a true presenting professional. Yeah, he's not leaving his calling. He's he's no, the no. last one there. Yeah, and it's as though this kind of man who seems to be there just to move the plot along initially it's like you know an alien talking about alien Mm. again Sigourney Weaver her role is part of many at the beginning Mm. and at the end and you don't expect her to be the last woman standing do you no and it's kind of like that it's sort of like I know Parky's sort of leading everything but he doesn't have much of an active part in the action and so like with the Sigourney Weaver thing at the end you're like you don't realize you do oh this this woman like who it sort of pulls the wool over your eyes a bit mm. and so you're surprised by the ending and i feel like this has the alien effect you don't realize parky the last shot you're going to see mm. is parky doing the best horror thing <laughs> of the whole thing wandering <laughs> and muttering he's just yeah because that last shot when he's slowly wandering around the studio disoriented trying to find a, he's trying to find a working camera mm. to talk to mm. he's like i'm not this is still I, I've been paid to do this. It's like the ultimate hero, isn't it? Mm. And then he notices the auto cue is still working. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. God. laughs> so he starts reading it 
And he says, <laughs> oh no, it's the nursery rhyme thing again. Yeah. Round and round the garden, like a teddy bear. <laughs> and then his voice gets really distorted yeah. and the cats start howling again yeah. and the ghost utters through Parky's mouth because that's all you can see of him now. Mm. And it utters, didn't believe that story about Mother Seddon's, did you? Fee, fi, fo, fum. <laughs> Man, even oh. watching that, I'm welling up again because yeah. I love that so much, that scene. Fills them with terror and absolute delight at how perfect it is. I physically applaud that scene. Yeah. When I'm like, like I do a lot of, if I'm watching something I really love, I go, yeah, and clap and leap out my seat. And that's how I feel about that. It's fabulous. But do you not feel it's like he, because he's the last one, it's almost like this is still nonsense. I'm not going to believe it. Even, kind of, yeah. even though there's like yeah. a, a, a wind suddenly <laughs> and there's paper everywhere and there's lights exploding. The ultimate skeptic. Yeah. He's the ultimate skeptic. And he's, he's almost, he's out of his chair now. He's, his chosen profession he's out of that now and now yeah. he's just a man saying this is rubbish what's going on yeah yeah and then he goes to the you know like you say he notices that the um autocue is still running it's almost like right i'm gonna i'm gonna get this back i'm gonna get this back to some sense yes, of yeah, like true, sense, actually, yeah. sense like right this is this is rubbish i'm gonna take control now the the, the autocue i can trust the autocue yes and then, yes and then, because that's been his his life, hasn't it? The autocue. Yeah. And then, obviously, the autocue <laughs> has been... Pipes is in there. Yeah, pipes. He's in the is pipes. In, he's in the pipes. He's in the wires. <laughs> he's inside you. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It's just beautifully done. Yeah. Because it starts off so nice and 90s, BBC and bubbly, and mm. it ends in that. Like, who knew? Yeah. And who then knew? It, and then it just goes to black. And it's yeah. finished. And it's like, what? <laughs> I know. You just feel a bit like... From light to dark. <sighs> clasping at your chest a little bit at the end, like, what? Parky has such trust in the autocue. <laughs> it's like, the autocue will save us. We'll get back yeah. to some... Get rid of this nonsense. And yeah. no. Yeah. And, he, and he reads from it un, un, unquestioning. You know, there's no, there's, there's nothing like, this will bring it round. And no... So even even though this is an absolute gem of a horror show experience, complete masterpiece, I, I think it is. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I do. I do. I'll be honest. When I <laughs> you first... don't have to agree, actually. No, no, I, know. I just thought, like, maybe Hannah doesn't yeah. <laughs> when, this much. When I first started watching it, I was like, it is very cheesy. And there are elements where you go, yeah, it's so very obviously not not real. But... There's something about it that makes you want to keep watching. Yeah. And it's so worthwhile because even knowing that it's not real, and yes, it may seem a bit cheesy now, it just takes you down that path. And genuinely, even though I was laughing, I genuinely was unnerved by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, yes, I think it's great. And it's very adventurous. Yeah. It's a it's a, a risk-taking show. Absolutely. Which is which is why Oh, is the cat here? Yeah. Ah, no baby. <laughs> Sorry. In, instantly delight there's a cat in the room. She likes to uh uh-uh. she likes to, she likes to listen yeah. to me people talking when I do these podcasts. It yeah. lulls her into some kind of relaxed state. It's it's yeah. It's nice for her, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Might take that bit out. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a risky show because I I understand that even though I love it, I, I am acutely conscious of how dangerous this was for mental health because it 
it's like a it's a merry-go-round of emotions it's mm. it's bad it's good it's bad it's good and it it's it doesn't keep your emotions still and it's very triggering <laughs> yeah because firsthand i was terrified my anxiety mm. shot through the roof and i am in a position lucky enough for it not to have um, affected the rest of my life so negatively even though I was a vulnerable child, I've made my own peace with how it affected me and mm. I've been able to use it as something that's inspired me. But it's not the case for everybody. And I know that some lives were irreparably affected by it. Because, uh, you know, you've got the Adrian Edmondson lookalike <laughs> mm. guy at the start doing his Eddie from Bottom impression, Sarah Green being lovely, Craig Charles being daft in the studio and the studio's set up all cosy there's a roaring fire with a framed picture of a sheet ghost mm. and even though it's the scariest of all ghosts mm. in isolation of an image it's comical isn't it it's meant to be a bit funny yeah exactly it, it, it starts off as a family funny mm. and I, they don't prepare you for this no. you don't prepare you parkinson's hilarious you know he's just like yeah right bye when yeah. someone calls in it's yeah. you know he has a, a, a silly fight with the doctor and mm. it, he he's basically the sedate that you think it's going to be as sedate as parky is basically yeah and then it escalates into unprecedented hideousness yeah. there's no there's no real warning as to how it's going to be and 11 million people watched ghost watch on halloween night 1992 and it did it got a lot of real phone calls at the time real ones as well mm. as fake ones and thirty thousand people called the ghost watch number because mm. there was a number to ring wasn't there yeah because that was the that's what amazed me when i read about it afterwards because the number they use on ghost watch is the number that they used for a lot of yeah. BBC shows to phone in. So people yeah. could actually phone in using that number on the night. I mean, imagine you would never do that now, but imagine. Yeah, yeah. People don't ring in for stuff now. No, they? I, guess, <laughs> I guess not. But they, they tweet. Might. They might. <laughs> well, yeah, they tweet instead. But yeah, 30,000 people did ring the Ghostwatch number genuinely terrified mm. and upset, including Parky's elderly mum. Oh. She rung that number because oh, she was no. worried about what was going on. Oh, with no. <laughs> she, she, he obviously hadn't told her anything about no. it and it really frightened people mm. and and apparently the number that people were given to ring had an automated thing on to say whoever was calling that it was a hoax i don't mm. know if that's true um mm. but the phones got jammed because of so many callers oh, so I people imagine. so they were just getting an engaged tone oh, so that no. hoax message wasn't filtering through in the way that they thought it would yeah. apparently and a total of one million people actually phoned the bbc switchboard that night it, it caused so much havoc mm. that there was a 10-year ban imposed on Ghostwatch from ever being... Um, a 10-year ban from being shown again. So it wasn't allowed mm. to be shown again for at least 10 years. Mm. And it, I don't think it's ever been shown again on British telly. No. I think Shudder had it on, you know, the streaming service Shudder had mm. it on for a bit. And it's probably on another streaming service. And it yeah. might have been shown in other countries. But you can buy it on... You can buy it. You mm. can buy it. I bought it on DVD ages ago. But I, c I can understand why they don't show it again. Because it's... It's a. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm going to say to the extent of why it can't. It wasn't shown again. Mm. And so, anyone listening, please look at the trigger warnings because it's quite heavy. It's actually very serious. What happened afterwards? Mm. A poor young guy with learning disabilities called Martin Martin Denham. Uh, he killed himself five days after Ghostwatch aired because the house in which he and his parents lived had a fault in their central heating, which caused their pipes to knock. And he was obviously severely affected by it. I think he was poorly anyway, but he actually killed himself. And I, 
And I know that like he was poorly and yeah. so the show triggered yes. whatever was going on. Like it triggered my anxiety and obviously I was lucky enough not to be poorly enough to do mm. anything drastic in response, but basically someone killed themselves as a result of watching Ghostwatch. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I think a lot of people had to be treated for PTSD afterwards and the BBC did eventually issue an apology and I'm, I'm not sure... Whether I don't think they thought they should do it at first because they thought, well, we're not, you know, like yeah. there's lots of things that are shown on television. But I think because this was so well done, yeah, anyone vulnerable watching it, like a child, like me on their own, it's sort of like bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing as well, <clears throat> you've got dependable Parky, and you would never expect Michael Parkinson to do anything like that. And the presenters were from kids' TV shows. And the, yeah, and the, the kids, kids, yeah, kids' TV shows. So you've got dependable Michael Parkinson. You've got lovely, lovely Sarah Green, uh, Mike Smith as well. Mike Smith at the time, you know, he'd done, you know, he he's like radio DJ as well. Done done kids' TV, but like top of the pops and everything. Yeah. So all very light. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're not even if you are sat watching it thinking well, this is obviously fake. By the end, you're not really expecting that. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard because I can't. you can't deny that that happened and you can't no. deny that it was a very triggering show. Yeah. But I love it. it was, I just, I still love it. I think it's amazing. But it's because it was, I think if it was just a horror film and people had made it very clear that it was fake, that it was a hoax, it would have been a different matter. I think if it was made into a, like, if it had been, like, um, a film or a series, like you say, it would have been more obvious that it wasn't, you'd just go, why is Parky doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> but. you sent me an article from The Guardian from around three years ago that talks, uh, it writes about how Ghostwatch was made, and the sub-caption to the headline reads, uh, our producer received a letter from a woman asking for compensation to buy new trousers for her husband as he had soiled the ones he was wearing. <laughs> and I'm surprised my dressing gown survived. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was flapping, so it didn't touch anything. Uh, but this article reminded me, talking about the presenters and how invested they were in their roles. Brilliant, 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 brilliant acting. Uh, another reason, you know, we just believed them was because they were playing themselves, as I've said before. Yeah. Uh, they they weren't new people that they brought in under yes. make-believe names. They were actually themselves. They were household names and they were trusted household names. And I think that's what really added to it, I guess. Yeah. So all of this is brilliant. And But there's a quote from Leslie Manning in that article that says... Uh, so this, this quote is in defence of the hoax element. Uh, he says, I definitely didn't set out to cause mass hysteria, but I wasn't trying to make it look like a conventional BBC movie. I thought the fact that it was a drama was obvious. It was trailed as such by the continuity announcer and it opened with a written by credit. So it did at the beginning of mm. Ghostwatch. It says written by. Ah, okay. But it's a flipping two second thing at the beginning. Yes. And then you're saying something different to that. You could, written by could say, mm. because the presenters, Parky's got an auto cue. Yeah. So you could say, well... Those bits are written. Something's, you know what I mean. So it's That's still true. not. Um, yeah. So that was their. Maybe that was their safety net that they thought they could say that, but it's not enough, is it? Really? No. I mean, looking back, I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I think you should have, if you really want to say that, you you should have said this is fictional. 
In that art, that said article, I thought it was funny. There was a bit where it said that Judy Dench had been working with Doc, the actress who played Dr. Lynn. Gillian Bevan. Gillian Bevan. So when she sat and watched it, she knew it wasn't real because, you know, she... she oh, yeah, because she knew her. Because she knew right. her, because she'd been working with her. And uh, it says in the article that um, Judy Dench phoned her up and left her a voice message on her answer machine basically saying you know you've ruined my night <laughs> which I thought oh imagine that that's just like you'd you'd want to you'd want to keep that wouldn't you yeah <laughs> but it made me laugh so I think it's I definitely would recommend anyone who's not seen it to yeah. see it and 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 you know stick with it because it is a journey and it it's is. a prop and it just oh it's just got a proper retro feel, which yeah. it, it, it makes it even more enjoyable, I yeah. think. I think if you if you did it now, it'd be too slick. Do you know what I mean? Probably. I don't think you'd be allowed to and do it now. you wouldn't be allowed Absolutely to. Yeah, Absolutely not. Exactly. Not. Exactly. But I mean, it doesn't matter knowing as well that it's not real. Because like when you watch any film, you know that's not real. But you still get emotionally engaged in it and frightened and shocked and everything and I think this is the same if anything it's more of a surprise that you do because it just feels so cheesy at first that it's actually a bit of a shock that you do get lured in and yeah and get a little bit you know anxious and scared and I guess we don't need something else like that because there's enough enough horror on the news that they report oh, like you. with a you know like um in as much as People could say that Ghost Watch was a disturbance of the peace. Mm. You can say the same about news sites. Oh, God, they, yeah, uh, They absolutely. will put in any word they want in the headline to make you look at it. Mm. And they will use things like nuclear, bomb, World War Three, just to make you click on it. Mm. That is the new war of the world, the flipping media, isn't yeah. it? They're just like scaring us constantly now. Yeah, exactly. Ghost Watch pales in comparison to what the heck to the, the disturbance of the peace that the media were putting us through at the end of the day it's it's a piece of entertainment that's exactly. was ahead of its time yeah you wouldn't be able to do it again so for that reason it's it's worth a, a, a viewing really yeah and i don't regret it in the slightest <laughs> it was great if you're, if you're very much into cinema if you're very much into horror cinematography mm. is that a right term yeah then you should watch it yeah and it's, it's like, not long as well, it's, you know... No, 90 you, minutes. It's like 90 minutes, so what's 90 minutes? No, I think if you watch it and then listen to this, I don't know. It's worth a watch. I don't know. It's worth a watch uh, to explore and it's definitely worth a podcast to discuss it. Oh, well, thanks, thanks for <laughs> inviting me again and thanks for introducing me to Ghostwatch because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise, so... Oh. This conversation hasn't been too laborious then. In the heat, this is it's very hot today. Yeah. It's very hot today in the heat. Yeah, the, U, the UK. Everyone's a bit tired. Yeah, yeah, even the cat had a long snooze. Yeah, she did. So, yeah. I stayed up too late last night because uh, we're recording this the day after Guns N' Roses played Glastonbury. <gasps> yes. I stayed up late watching Guns N' Roses last night. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I, I, I love Guns N' Roses anyway, so I was really looking forward to it. But yeah. they were, they have not lost it. It was like, ah, I was just, oh, I love it. I, I mean, it's obviously, it's better probably seeing it at Glastonbury, but... 
uh, you know, when you're at home, you get to see all oh, the bits on the Well, you get a good view because being a shorter person, yeah, exactly. I much prefer to see it at home. And I'm not getting on anyone's shoulders. I'm not getting on anyone's shoulders, <laughs> especially in this heat. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was brilliant. Axel Rose is, is so nice, you know. Like, yeah. you know, when someone can just be nice. Mm. I'm, I'm, I've never met Axel Rose personally. I don't know him personally. There might be someone listening going... I'm best friends with Axel Rose, or I was, <laughs> and he's not very nice. But I, I uh, you know, his persona on stage is very nice. Interaction with the crowd, mm. very accommodating, and like just very, just nice, just nice. He's not trying to act cool. Yeah, no one's trying to act like anything. They're just like, we're going to bring you some really good music. Thanks for listening to it. Yeah, here I'm having a good time. Are you having a good time? Was like the early nineties peak Guns and Roses anyway. Probably. Is that Use Your Illusion? That's probably when yeah. the, When was Use Your Illusion? Is that 92 or something? Is that, oh, year so before Ghostwatch? So I'm uh, thinking it's Ghost probably Watch, on trend with this podcast watching Guns N' Roses last night. Sorry for the typing sounds. I'm just, uh, Use Your Illusion was uh, 91. Oh, there you go. You see? So you're in yeah. keeping with the timeline. But yeah, it was good. It's anyway, good. yeah. Might have a nap later. Yeah. This <laughs> and Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Nice. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Mm, I'm going for a bit of a walk in the stuffiness, but yeah. There's supposed to be a thunderstorm. The heat's supposed mm. to break, isn't it? Soon? Yeah. Well, hopefully it does. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and for letting Hannah and I inject a bit of 1990s horror into your day. Long live Ghostwatch and all who haunt her, and may her power forever compel you. In the words of Gillian Bevan a.k.a. Dr. Lynn Pascoe, be very careful what you watch, question everything, and do not allow yourself to be manipulated. See you later. Bye. Bye. He's got a ponytail and earring that obviously makes him legit.